If you, uh, if you brought your book with you from last week or the weeks before, we're on page 27. Um, I'll just wait for a second until Luke comes back with, with other ones in case you don't have your book with you. Um, or if there was only one that I gave you last week, I gave, I'm not sure if I only gave one to you guys or what I did, so. 27, yep. Last week we, uh, it's also on Church Center um, under the regular, or the members and regular attenders group. And uh, does anybody not have one? A book with them? Okay, right there. Two over there. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, so it's on, it's on the resource page on the, the members and regular attenders uh, group. So we are, we are tonight, we, we've been, remember, thanks, bro. we've been going through these building blocks of, of um, dynamics of spiritual transformation. So how to change, how to grow, how to, uh, part of this is not just how, how you change, but how we can help other people change, to come alongside of each other, because we want to be about maturing and multiplying disciples who enjoy, declared, and display the good news of Jesus for the joy of all peoples, and so we want to do that together. Um, so partially the reason we're talking about this is how, how is it we're maturing disciples? How is it we want to be maturing disciples? And if you were here early on, we talked about some discipleship convictions that we have as a church. And now we're going, we're, we've been doing this dynamics of spiritual transformation since then. So um, this is part of the middle, middle section, the, the, the maturing. Now the next section we'll be going into after we finish these Build the whole building, all the building blocks, is we'll go into for the joy of all peoples. Consider, um, uh, consider what God's mission is and how we can join God's mission, um, both both here locally and globally. Uh, so it's for the joy of all peoples, all peoples, all peoples out in Dayton, all peoples in the U.S. and all peoples across. The world and my, our prayer is that is that we would be a church that is really truly maturing and multiplying disciples. Um, us individually being being some of those who are being matured and and uh, sent out. Each of us are sent out every every time we leave this place. This this place is kind of um, it, it's it's like a, uh, a refuge, I suppose, a safe a safe place. To, to come and to grow together and then be sent back out into, into the world um, and to, uh, to speak of these, these things, the truth of who God is by, as, as we're being changed ourselves. So let me pray and we'll jump into uh, to this fifth building block. Thank you, Lord, for tonight. Thank you for each one that's been able to come tonight. Lord, we pray for those who are ill, uh, those who are traveling. Uh, we ask Lord, that you would strengthen them uh, this evening and give them good rest, healing, mercies, and um, Lord, just meet with us for these few moments that we have together tonight. Help us to, to grow. In Jesus' name, amen. So we talked about the holiness of God a number of weeks ago. We talked about the conviction of and repentance from sin. We talked about a daily a daily embracing of the gospel. These, these things are like it's it's... 
it's not like kind of what, what we said a couple of weeks, what I talked about in, in the service a couple of weeks ago was this gift of prophecy that we are to earnestly desire. And it's like we all kind of want to earnestly desire those, that, but, we, but Monday comes and we forget, you know, and we're not purposeful. Um, so similarly, we want to be actually more foundationally, we want to be daily embracing the gospel, the good news of Jesus. We want to be motivated by the gospel to good works. So when Jesus calls us to obey him, it's not divorced from um, the gospel. It's, it's actually motivated by the gospel. And uh, as we'll get into tonight, um, it, it is... It is something that is not just meant to motivate us, but to strengthen, to strengthen us, to, to move forward. So understanding God's grace. We want to talk about this tonight specifically, not in opposition to last week, but more just to kind of ask the question, um, you know, if we're being motivated by the grace of God, motivated, motivated specifically to obedience by the gospel, through the gospel, via the gospel. Um, and so we're always considering the gospel, always walking in this, 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 um, this joy of the gospel or, or a recognition of the gospel. So, so even when we sin, we're recognizing that like our hope is in the gospel. And so, so it's, uh, in, in some ways, it's, 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 it, can, it can seem as though we're not held accountable for our sin anymore because we have all of Christ's righteousness. You know that's 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 a that's an error, but it's it is an error that comes from this thinking of we have all of Christ's righteousness, and I can't add anything to it, so you know, I'm not going to add anything to it. And of course, we can't add to it per se, but but the we want to speak about understanding God's grace, so that we aren't like those throughout church history who have abused the grace of God. The grace of God is infinite. Um, and expansive, obviously, then, and there is a way to abuse it, um, and, and really those who abuse it would be those who may, or, may very well be some who would really not, not, not count themselves followers of Christ, really. Um, the, the more kind of in it for whatever reason, I don't know, but, but like when, when, we are, when our hearts are regenerated, when we have been given all of Christ's righteousness, when we have been forgiven of all of our sins, and the Spirit of God lives within us, which is what happens at regeneration, what happens in our salvation, we are, we're changed. So just like walking back into the way that you once were just doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't make, it doesn't make sense. Something wasn't changed in your heart. Um, um, but because of the way we t spoke last week, speaking about like, you know, you can kind of go down the road of like, well, I never change. Um, this is what all, all, this is where we're getting to, we're getting to, you know, you, you, you are changing. There is a way that you are changing. There's a way that we can change. And we need to understand that, that foundationally, the holiness of God, the conviction of repentance of sin, a daily embracing of the gospel, the motiv being motivated by the gospel, and then understanding God's grace. So Paul says in Romans, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. So justification meaning declared righteous. And remember, spoke last week, it's, it's, it's not just it's not just, uh, or, and we've said this a number of times in this whole study, is it's not just 
just as if I'd never sinned, but it's just as if I'd always obeyed that reality because of Christ's righteousness. So his righteousness leads to that justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, Jesus, the many will be made righteous. The law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, thank God, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So what do we say then, he says, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? The passage in Romans 6, 12 through 15 at the end, again, what then? Are we to sin because we're not under the law but under grace? By no means. The, the reality is, is that we are under grace. There is the reality of like we have been forgiven not based on our own works. We have been given the righteousness of Christ. We can't add anything to that. We can be in no better favor with God than we are as being united with Christ. But we are called and, and the Spirit is working in us to conform us to the image of Christ. So we're, we're, we're growing. We're meant to grow. We're meant to walk in obedience. We're not meant to just kind of sit back and just, just rest on, on Christ. We are to work hard resting on Christ. Um, so uh, Archibald Alexander wrote a book called Thoughts on Religious Experience, and he talks about certain hindrances about uh, concerning spiritual transformation. He says these five hindrances. One could be a defect in our belief in the freeness of divine grace. So like, you know, what we've been talking, uh, the opposite of the just somehow I have to get right with God on my own accord somehow. A lack of obedience to Christ in every area of life could be another hindrance. So like, that's not cool, just walking in supposed grace, but like living licentiously. Um, a lack of intentionality and specificity about spiritual growth. So we make general revolution, uh, resolutions, but we never carry them out. We, you know, whether it's New Year's Day or whether it's in the middle of the summer, we're, we make these resolutions and then like, and we might very well mean them, but we're not, like, we're not committed. To, we end up not being not committed to them. Uh, fourth is a lack of specific application of Scripture in dealing with sin in our lives. Um, sometimes we can be hearers of the word, right, and not doers of the word, as James speaks of. Number five is a lack of growing in uh, the practical knowledge of Scripture. So really, you know, you're not growing because you're not in God's Word and, and you're not applying God's Word to your life. So, so when, when, when one of us preaches, uh, I'll, I'll say often from the pulpit that, you know, I feel as though this sermon is for me. Um, like I, I, need, I need to, it's, it's the Spirit's working, working on me as I'm preparing this message. I'm not preaching as one who has it all together. I'm preaching as one of the sheep that need to hear this Word. And... Um, uh, but there's a way to listen, isn't there, where you're really not listening. You're, 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 you're kind of, you're hearing or you're, you know, you're, you're there, but you're not, you're not going to do anything with it. It's just kind of going in one ear, as my mom would say, and out the other. It's just, it's not landing. It's not, might, might be in your head for a little bit, but it's not landing in your heart. You're not doing the work. So these are ways, these are five hindrances to spiritual transformation. Um, sometimes we just want to kind of, hear something, we just tough it out. Um, that's the, that's the um, reality is we forget the gospel. We, we're not mindful of the gospel. We just think, I just need to obey. And so we tough it out and we tough it out and we get 
you know, we get things in our path to try to make it, make it happen and try to grow and then we falter. It's kind of like the like yo-yo dieting, you know, it's like you, you can be really focused for a little bit, but then somewhere along the line, you know, you fall off the wagon and, and, then, and then it just goes downhill until the next time you jump back on, you know, that, that, that kind of thing. This is, this is what Christianity can feel like for a number of people in, in the church where I'm just trying hard, trying hard, and, I need to, and, and then I need to confess and then try hard again. This is like that whiteboard I was talking about last week where we're just adding, adding our good works to the whiteboard. We're trying to, trying to make it happen. And it's just a hindrance to our growth. We think we're, trying, we think we're growing, we're trying to grow, but really there, there's, it's just a hindrance to growth because we are forgetful of the gospel. Um, it's so vital in our lives to be motivated by the gospel of grace. So the gospel has, to, the, the truth of the gospel, the realities of the gospel need to be informing us at the, at the core. So when we're, when we're sinning, when we're forgetful, we, uh, it's like we're convicted, like building block number two, we're convicted, we repent and we turn to Christ. We go to the gospel, the gospel of grace. And really because we sin so regularly, how often could we be going to the gospel? I mean, multiple times a day. Um, unless we're not taking our sin seriously, and then, and then, uh, and then you might think, well, I'm not, I'm not, you know, not that bad. Uh, it's like, well, um, well, well, we'll talk about this in a second. So that's the next thing. Just like the another hindrance is our understanding of the threat or a lack of understanding of the threat of ongoing sin in our lives. And we can take advantage of the gospel of grace by, by just kind of casually walking in a manner not worthy of the gospel. So all of us are walking, right? We're walking in this life. We're, we're, we're making strides in some way. Are we walking? The question is, are we walking in a manner worthy of the gospel? And what does that mean? Um, we can be tempted to misunderstand the weight of Romans 6.14, for instance, for sin will have no dominion over you since you're not under law but under grace. We, we can misunderstand that and say, well, you know, I can have a little bit of dominion. Sin will have no dominion over you. Um, we can believe that, that God no longer holds us to a strict standard of holiness because we all have all of Christ's righteousness. So, so it's like, you know, he met it. I don't need to do really much anything about it. So we just don't think seriously about it. And so we don't change. We, we're not moving. We're not maturing. We're, we're sitting in our sin. We're, we're settling for something less. I was, I was coming back from uh, Mechanicsburg this, after, uh, this afternoon about one o'clock and I was just listening to, listening to a, an old worship song and... and uh, um, it's like the king of life is, the king of love is my delight. That's a, it's just a, that's a 90s worship song. Anyway, so, so it's just, uh, it was just washing over me and I'm just praying as I'm singing and asking the Lord, it's like, I just, I, I just don't want to play. I don't, I don't want to play with this. I want, I want to walk in holiness. I, want to, I, don't, I don't want to just continue just to meander, you know, and but to work hard to to tr trust Christ fully, but to to move forward in my walk with Him and not stagnate at all. And stagnate was the word that came to my mind. I don't want to stagnate. I don't want to stagnate. It's like wanting to continue growing and becoming more like Christ, and so not settling for the little foxes that ruin me. Um, um, 
So in the middle of that page, page 28, um, halfway through that paragraph, I said, we may even begin to believe that God does not expect any more change in our lives. And the thing is, is he, he does expect change. And as a matter of fact, he's given us the spirit to do that, to change us, to grow in us. He's still on the throne and he continues to call us to himself. Um, yeah, most Christians have a baseline of acceptable performance and see little need for grace. Uh, some, having found forgiveness in Christ, come to believe they're all in all pretty good and somehow become less aware of their ongoing need for grace. Um, we want to grow to believe that grace is not just something that's needed at one point in time, but it's grace is something we need every single moment of every single day, reminded of that over and over and over again and living in the good of it. Think about the Apostle Paul, just in the bottom of that page and going up to the top. Think about um, three passages over a 10-year period of time that Paul uh, is speaking in. So in the, in the mid-50s, in the first century, he writes this. He says, for I am the least of the apostles. He recognizes that he's the least of the apostles. How many apostles were there? Twelve, right? There are twelve apostles. So, and he was, he was, and so he would be, you know, thirteen of of the original twelve. But the, but he said, "I'm the least of all the apostles." In the '60s, in the early '60s, and again, not the 1960s, but the '60s, he says, "To me, though I am the very least of all the saints." So it's not just the apostles, but it's of all the saints, I'm the least of all the saints. It's as though 10 years or about seven years went by and he's recognizing more of the holiness of God, understanding God, growing in holiness, growing in a walk with him and recognizing more and more areas of his life that actually need to be, he needs to depend on grace more and more. He thought he, need, he, he, thought he needed this much grace and then like, Seven years went by and he needs this much grace because he's not just the least of the apostles, he's actually the least of all the saints. And then just a few years later in the mid 60s, he writes to Timothy, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. He says that Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. And so you see the progression of, it's not a digression, it's a progression of him understanding the level of wit, how much grace he needs. So as he grew, as he matured, he actually realized he needed more and more grace. Um, he needed that grace all the way along, but he was recognizing that he needed it more and more as the years went by. And the older you get, the, the reality is you, you, will, you will grow in holiness, Lord willing, by, by the Spirit's power and by, by hard work. But, and, and this doesn't, this isn't like, like causing me to feel dejected. It's more the recognition that like, actually what I, how, how kind of bad I, bad I was, it is just, it's just much more pervasive than what I thought. Um, now, if I'm talking about just specifically like outright, um, outright like sins of commission, that's like, I'm not talking I'm not really talking about sins of commission, like I'm growing in sins of commission. I'm realizing how much I don't walk in, in Christ, how much I don't trust him, how much I walk in my own strength, how much, how much of that, and all of that is sin. All of that is like not loving the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, and mind. And so if not for the gospel, it could cause you to be very depressed because you're, 
it almost feels like you're not getting better. Um, you're being made more aware of how much, like how, how, how bad it really is. But you see why the gospel is so core, so key to this, because if you have the gospel, which all Christians, all true Christians do have the gospel, we're trying to say, hey, like keep the gospel in mind and, and as you're recognizing the holiness of God, you're recognizing your own sin more and more and more, you go to the gospel and you're like, oh my Lord, thank you. Thank you so much for your forgiveness. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for keeping me from the penalty of my sin. Thank you for all of your righteousness. Jesus, you never, you never forgot the Father. You, you never uh, did not love the Lord your God with all your heart. You did that in my place, and so thank you for that. And please forgive me and help me to think on you more. Help me to grow in that way. But it gives you, it gives you feet to, to actually change, to, to grow. Um, so it seems as though Paul's just getting more and more negative, but really what's happening is he's getting all the more and more amazed by the gospel because he's seeing more and more his need for it. Does that, does that make sense? Mike, you would say that, like, how old are you now? You're 60, 66. 66. So um, you would say today that you are much more mature in your faith than you were when you came to Christ, but you would also say that you're much, you've been made much more aware of how, how much grace you've had to have. Yeah, yeah. And it's a beautiful thing. It causes, it causes worship, you know? It's like, it's like you come on a Sunday morning and you're, and you're singing a song about the gospel and you're like, oh, this is so good. And we get to do this together. And we're accepted in the beloved. And so we remind each other of that. And it, even though like our week was horrendous or our morning was horrendous or whatever. So um, anyway, so that's the progression. It's not a digression, it's a progression. It's a maturing of faith really to understand our desperate need for the grace of God. Um, and uh, you know, we sing songs, we sing songs like uh, grace greater than our sin. So the more we're aware of our sin, the more we reckon we should be by through the preaching of the word, through the Lord's Supper, through reminding each other, hey, there is grace that is greater than your sin. Um, uh, I think it was Wesley. I think it was Wesley that said something along the lines of, I have, uh, you'd probably know this, uh, Luke, uh, this, this phrase, if you, if it's, it's, it's something along the lines of, I am a great sinner, but my Savior is a greater Savior. He's a, Jesus is a greater Savior. Um, it was more pithy than that. But anyway, so a daily reliance on grace. Um, I wrote down just this, this uh, illustration of my mom. Let me just share this for a moment. So my mom, you, if you've been tracking it all with my mom, she has dementia. She, she had like walked through... Um, uh, a number of years of just like l losing, you know, losing her uh, memory. And so now it's, now it's mostly gone except for like these little moments, you know, where things spark, but it's hardly at all. But back in the day when the transition was happening, it was like super, super hard, as you can imagine, for my mom and super hard for my dad. My dad watching, you know, watching her decline. And I would sit and talk with my dad when I'd go up there, and um, um, and he he was just angry, you know, 
and, and kind of somewhat understandably so, you know, right? But, the, but he, he said something along the lines of, you know, mom did so much for, for Jesus. So he, she did so much. This, it's just not fair that this is, she doesn't deserve this. Um, and, uh, and so that, that kind of kept coming up like every time I was going up there. I, f- I finally was able to have a conversation with him about, about that in a, in a gracious way to be able to you know, speak about what mom deserves really and, and the fact that she's not getting what she deserves. And you can imagine that was a difficult conversation, but he took that, he took that well and he understood. I just said, dad, what you said what you say there is just kind of anti, anti-gospel, like, like somehow that mom, because she was the Awana secretary for, for like 20 years, that somehow God owed her something. Um, it's not to, not to say it's not a hard disease, it's not to say that, that it's a brutal reality in this life and everything, but the, the, the issue is that... Um, that she is 100% dependent on God's mercy and God's grace. Not, uh, her, her works were pleasing to the Lord, but they were not salvific. Um, so and we, and we, we get that, but like we can kind of live in that, can't we? Well, how, how come that's happening? I'm trying to live clean. I'm trying to do whatever. Um, and, and then this happens. And I don't think I can trust you. Um, the last paragraph of the kind of like the, I don't know, about a third of the way up. It says, we don't obey God to gain grace. We obey him because we have received grace. We don't obey to gain grace. We obey because we have received grace. Now, just think about that for a moment. And this will be one of the questions I just want you guys to talk about in your small groups is well, what's the difference between those two? What are, what are the differences? So if you're taking, taking notes at all, if you have a pen, write that question down there because I want you to answer, ask that question together and talk about it. And think about it um, uh, deep, deeper than, than just like, I mean, you can give like a simple answer to that, but think about like the reality is like, we don't obey him to gain grace. How do, how do we really live in life? Well, you know, the reality is we don't obey him to gain grace. We obey him because we have received grace. What is the difference and how, how is the effect in our life difference, uh, different? Uh, what does a life look like when you obey him to gain grace as compared to a life that is lived that recognizes that they have, you have received grace? Okay, hope that makes sense. Um, all right. Uh, last page. Uh, the, the paragraph that starts with, and what all this correct understanding of costly grace that was given to us by God creates in us is a heart of gratitude. So it's a, a walking in humility. Uh, uh, I, you, can, you can always connect humility and gratitude up in the same thing. You see a humble person, and that person is usually a very thankful person, a great, grateful person. You see a grateful person, you see a humble person. There's a, there's a reality of this, this truth. You have a correct understanding of the costly grace that was given to us by God. It creates in us a heart of gratitude. If we're thinking about it right, if we're thinking about it within purpose, purposefully, um, as the Spirit opens your eyes, the, the response is going to be one of gratitude. Uh, one of praise. So like that's um, when we gather on a Sunday morning, it's, it's why, um, you know, it's why it's like 
thank you for the cross. Um, and, uh, and we give him thanks. We praise him. Uh, so a life of obedience, as we spent time speaking about, considering over and over and over again, is one motivated by gospel gratitude. Um, there's a strength that comes from sp- for spiritual transformation by being strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. There's a, there's a, and it's the power of the Spirit that's at work in us, but the power, what, G- what the Spirit is doing is causing us to look to Christ, causing us to see Christ, the glory of Christ, the glory of the gospel, and we are changed. We see the love of Christ and we are changed. We're compelled by the love of Christ to change. And it's, we are um, uh, you think about what Paul says here, and his language is important. Be strengthened. It's, it's, it's the action. I mean, you, you, we, we are, we're walking in obedience. We'll think about Philippians 2 in just a second. But we are, we're walking in with action, with purpose, with gratitude, but we are being strengthened. The strengthening is being done to us as we, you know, as we're sitting and, and trusting well, not, not sitting, but, but sitting, moving, moving forward, moving towards him. Um, a couple of quick statements. Your worst days are never so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace, and your best days are never so good that you're beyond the need of God's grace. Both things are true. You're never, never so good to not need it. You're never so bad to not get it. Um, and uh, we live by grace. We obey by grace. We surrender to the Lord by grace. It is by the mercies of God that we present our bodies a living sacrifice. So turn to Philippians chapter one for a moment. And I just want to think about this and then we'll break up into groups. Philippians one uh, and verse 27. Um, could you, Luke, go ahead and put that slide up? Um, it, it, it's, it becomes clear as we walk through Philippians, as you were to walk through Philippians, that starting in verse 27 and going all the way through chapter 4, verse 3, that there is a, a trajectory that, that Paul is speaking, speaking about. There's a, and there's a structure in, um, in God's Word that, uh, that I have up on the screen that I'll just talk about. It's a chi- chiasm. And, and so thinking about this in a certain way. I want to do that today. So it becomes clear that Paul's talking to believers. He's calling believers to live as citizens of the kingdom. He says, walk in a manner worthy. Uh, um, Live your life. How does he say it? Um, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Only let your manner of life be worthy. The the word for life there is, is accurate, but it's the, the word has to do with citizenry. So let your, let your life of being a citizen of God's kingdom, this, this, this reality, it's a, it's a kingdom citizenship. It's just the, the first meaning of that word. And even in, even in the meaning of the word where, where it speaks about the actual word life, uh, like a manner of life, it's speaking about the manner of your, of your citizenry conduct. So let your life, let your life as one who is in the kingdom of God, let it, let it be consistent with the gospel. Um, the gospel is not merely how one begins the Christian life. It's, it's, also, by, it's also the means by which someone lives the, Christmas, the, the Christian life, not the Christmas life. Um, just, uh, just a couple things here. You think about at the beginning, there's A, 
And you see at the bottom there's the A1 and then B and B1 and C. The, the chiastic structure there just kind of helps us, helps us uh, think about the text a little bit and, and uh, process it. So there's a call to live as kingdom citizens worthy of the gospel. And then there's joy rooted in a, in a well, let me, let me just say this. Called to live as kingdom citizens worthy of the gospel. We drop down to A1, and there's examples of a life governed by the mindset of Christ. There's, a, there's the way that that's happening. The way that the cult, the, the life as kingdom citizens, what it looks like. You see that in the, the latter part of, of Philippians. Um, B, it's, it's joy rooted in a shared life produced by the gospel. Um, so it's, it, it, there's, a, there's a joy um, in the gospel that, 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 that compels, it's produced by the gospel. It's, it's the gospel's motivated us. The gospel is, the, is the, the truth of the gospel, the realities of the gospel, all the realities of the gospel uh, work in us to cause us to, um, to, to walk in obedience and to um, and have joy. Um, and so what Paul says then later is he calls us to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in us. God's working in us on account of the gospel, on account of the gospel. And what we see in the middle of the text where it kind of points to here is that Christ is our example. And we, we see that in Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11, where you think about um, the, uh, uh, the reality of who Jesus is, what he has done um, the call that we've been, we've been um, the, the, real, the life we've been called into to consider others more significant than ourselves. And by, by the way of an example, he says for Jesus himself, Jesus, Jesus came, he humbled himself by becoming, by becoming a man, becoming obedient to death and even death on a cross. And, uh, and we know that he, then he was exalted. So we're the center of that structure is just that reality of, of Christ being our example of not only how we live as kingdom citizens worthy of the gospel, but, but, but what, it, what, our, what our exa- uh, the example is the thing that motivates us to walk in that way as well. Um, and, uh, and so the way it talks about it at the end, there's just these different examples. You think about Yodia and Syntyche in chapter four, I think verse one, or verse four or something. It's like he's talking about um, having unity of mind in Philippians two. And then like he, he talks about it again with Yodia and Syntyche. So because the gospel, because of Christ is your example and this joy that's rooted in the gospel, produced by the gospel, calling to live as kingdom citizens, Yodia and Syntyche, get along with each other, care for each other, love one another. You see, the, this gospel reality is meant to, it's not just Yodi and Sintiki, stop being goofballs, you know, and just like knuckle down and get going. It's just think about, think about all, of, all of what Jesus has done um, and what he's calling you to do. He's calling us to live differently and he's motivating us to that life. Um, standing firm in the spirit by striving together for the faith um, that the gospel produces. So thinking about uh, the, the unity that we're called to, the, the life of, citizen, of the kingdom citizenry that we're called to, um, it, it, 
it's 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 produced the 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 joy in it is produced by by fixing our eyes on Christ, who is our perfect example. He's our savior, but he's our perfect example. Everything that he's accomplished on the cross has now given me the privilege to be able to walk in unity with one another and to grow in in my citizenry um, as a as a child of God, and not a and not a um, and not in the citizenry of this country uh, specifically, but a citizenry of the kingdom of God. So having a mindset, uh, walking in a mindset like Christ, uh, we do that by fixing our eyes on Christ, looking to Christ, recognizing what Christ has done, considering all that he's done, who he is, and how that affects me, and we walk in a different way. Um, and they're, they're just, just, uh, that was just by way of an example, but there's just those kind of realities all the way through Scripture. So walking in a manner worthy of the gospel, like he says in, in chapter 1, letting your manner of life be worthy of the gospel, is, is not like, hey, you've been saved, so live like it. It's, it's uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's partially that, but, mo- but, the, but the foundational the roots of it, the motivation of it, has to do with all that Christ has done. So it's not just buckle down and get, get going. It's look to Christ, look to Christ, look to Christ, and trust the Spirit, work out your salvation, fear and trembling before Christ, and with, because, because you can, you, you're, you're, you're sin, you're, your sins have been forgiven, you have all of Christ's righteousness, so just move forward, trust the Word, and know that He's, he's got you, and He's going to produce in you... Um, uh, he's going to sanctify you. He's going to grow you. He's going to not just come alongside you, but he's going to do the work in you as you're walking in him. So motivated by the gospel, embracing the gospel every day, um, and, um, and then having, having an understanding of God's grace, that God's grace is not cheap. God's grace um, costs his very son for us and... and uh, and it's, so it's a costly grace, and it, call, it calls us to walk in obedience to him and to trust him, and it gives us joy in as we do it. Next week, we're going to be talking about the work and the power of the Holy Spirit because we're still not left to ourselves to think about that. Like, we've got to think about it. We've got to think about it. What's well, true, we need to think about it, but we, we're not left alone. We have the Holy Spirit in us that's, that's doing these things. So, so how is he working that out? How is he doing it? Well, we'll talk about it next week and thinking about thinking about that and luke's going to be teaching that next week so um i gave you a question um to answer and that was back the page before just what is the difference between we don't obey him to gain grace we obey him because we have received grace just talk about that together what's the difference between those two how does it how does it really flesh how do both of those things flesh out in your life and then, and then maybe just consider this specific statement of Paul in Philippians 1, verse 27. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, um, so that uh, whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And we could go on, but think, think about, okay, what, what would it look like? What does it look like for you specifically to, in light of what we talked about tonight, to let your life, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. What, what does it look like? Yeah. The, somebody, what's the gospel? Say it loud. 
Good news of Christ doing, doing what? I, I, I know, I know how, say that again. Yep. Yep. So yeah, so, so it goes back to where we started, the holiness of God. There's the holiness of God. God, God created us. We are made for him. We are made, we are made to, to find him as our satisfaction. We're made to glorify him. We're made to image forth him. And, and so that includes um, then walking like him to expressing to the world around him the glory of God. But what we did, we see it in Genesis as we're going through what we saw, what we saw then is what we see in our own lives is that we fail to live for his glory. We fall short of the glory of God and we live for our own glory. We, we do what we want to do. We don't want, we, so we reject him. It's the way scripture speaks about it. We reject him, we're hostile to him. And because of that, starting in Genesis 3, in particular, and all the way till today, and until the last day, people live for themselves. And, and because they're living for themselves and not for the glory of God, because all of existence exists for the glory of God, so when we're not living for the glory of God, and we're falling short of the glory of God in our actions and in our lack of action, we are incurring punishment on ourselves by a holy God. Um, not just this angry, vengeful kind of anger, but just a just, holy um, uh, punishment, and rightfully so. And so no man, can, no man can do anything about that. We can't live perfectly. We can't, God requires perfection. We just can't do it. And so everyone's destined for hell then at that point, unless something happens. And then, so there's the gospel. The gospel comes in, the plan of salvation, like, like I preached on Christmas Eve, um, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that um, whoever believes on him would not perish, but have eternal life. Um, so the gospel of grace, the gospel, you think about the gospel of Philippians 2, um, uh, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, hear the gospel here, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by making the form of, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. That's, that's, that's um, not explaining the gospel, but it, it, like, it likes revealing the gospel. Um, a, a quick answer to that question um, is 1 Corinthians 15. Just turn there real quick. So 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1, says, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I deliver to you as of first importance, speaking of the gospel here, it's just going back to that last, last two verses, I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, because we had to have somebody die for our sins, right? Based on what I was talking about earlier. That he was buried that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. 
And then he appeared to the Cephas and then to the 12, and he appeared to more than 500 brothers. So the gospel specifically is that Jesus Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, that he truly was dead, and that he was raised again. And all who hope in him, all who call on him, all who call in the name of the Lord will be saved. All who trust in his sacrifice will be saved. So that, the truth of that, that's, that's like, so, so when we believe that, and going back to the weeks before tonight, um, when we believe that, when we trust that, the Spirit changes our hearts, causes us to see the glory of God, and our sins are wiped as far as the east is from the west. Jesus forgave us all of our sins. But he didn't just do that. He lived a perfect life in our place. And so that's part of the good news also. He didn't just die for us. He lived on our behalf. Lived, so he lived perfectly. So when I believe on him, I'm believing on all that. And he, he who saved me is going to continue saving me and, and one day finally save me. Um, that's good news. And so how is that good news supposed to inform the way that we live? Um, the way that we fight sin, the way that we think about the culture, the way that we care for our spouse, or the way that we care for our families, or the way that we interact with neighbors, or the way that we interact with the government, or the way that we interact with so walking in a manner worthy of the gospel. That gospel truth somehow, as we've talked about, somehow has to affect us in our lives for us to be transformed. And um, so thinking about thinking on the gospel, processing the gospel, studying the gospel, singing the gospel, recognizing the, the, our need for God's grace is, is going to give us that heart of thankfulness um, and humility so that we can walk forward in, a, in just not a life of like dutiful obligation, but um, thankful obedience, grateful obedience, uh, uh, joy rooted in a shared life produced by the gospel, um, unity with one another, a growth together, um, and, and a call because of Christ, because of what he's done, a call to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling because God's not left us alone. So he's, he's, he's doing that work in us, so we're yielding to him. So those two, um, those two questions are a question and really more discussion point, and spend some time praying together. Um, so kind of spread out again tonight to so try to get into groups going to need to move around a little bit get into groups of four or five something like that and um that is that thanks you guys